Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And as we've been doing here for the last uh, few days and uh, keep on going, we are talking about the Rose Bowl. Uh, we have a lot of guests coming on talking about some different aspects of the Rose Bowl, some of the games, the players, uh, some of the pageantry of this great venue that's 100 years old. Uh, here in January 1st, 2023. And tonight is no exception. We have another great guest. Uh, we have R.C. Christensen, uh, author and historian that, that uh, does a lot with different aspects of football. And he's going to bring some Rose Bowl knowledge to our heads tonight. Uh, R.C., welcome back to the pig pen. Oh, thank you very much. It's great. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, Great. Uh, we talked to you uh, a few times here over the last year, uh, a lot about your, your Border Boys book. And uh, maybe uh, before we get into it, maybe you could share with the listeners uh, you know, a little bit about what the book is and uh, where they can get uh, ha- their hands on a copy of it. Sure. So if you visit borderboysbook.com, you can find out a whole lot more. But uh, I guess in a sentence, it is uh, about the American college players who really I helped to change uh, Canadian football uh, uh, back in the uh, early 1930s. And so it follows the the lives uh, of those players and the first um, Grey Cup won by the West. Um, and um, it goes into a, a, some of the history of the rules changes and, and the relationship with American football as well. All right. And, uh, you know, so make, make sure you get a copy of that. There's, like I said, if you type in uh, R.C. Christensen into our, our search box of Pigskin Dispatch, you'll see a couple episodes where R.C. has kindly come on and, and shared some information from his book and from his own noggin of, of football history. And we appreciate that. So I guess it's not... Uh, too far of a stretch to, to tie that in here with your borders boys. We're a few decades off. We're advancing mm-hmm. in it, but you're going to talk about a game that's uh, very near to that area and very near and dear to your heart. And uh, I'll let you, you set up and uh, start chatting about this. Sure. Well, I wanted to talk about um, the 1962 Rose bowl 
which of course comes off of the 1961 college football season. And um, I, I am myself a uh, University of Minnesota Golden Gophers fan. And I became interested in uh, this particular 1961 season at one point, um, in part because of the, the quarterback for the Gophers uh, in 1960 and 61 seasons uh, was Sandy Stevens. And um, I had learned that he was the first black man to play quarterback at the University of Minnesota. And when I learned that he was the one that took the Gophers to their only Rose Bowl, I thought, well, hey, that's that's a pretty big deal. So I wanted to find out a little more. So I looked into it a little more. Yeah, definitely. That is a, a great big deal because it's not like you you look down through all the Rose Bowl history and you see Minnesota popping up, uh, you know, like you do like the USC's of the world. So this is a, a great opportunity that uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how uh, Minnesota was in the 1961 season. Um, well, in, in that season, um, they, uh, let's see, they, they did not, they were not the national champion um, that year um, because they were the national champion uh, in the 1960 season. But in the 1961 season, it was Ohio State that actually won the Big Ten Conference Championship. Um, and so originally, the Gophers weren't supposed to go to the 1962 Rose Bowl, uh, but uh, as the runner-up, they uh, after Ohio State declined the invitation, um, I can't remember what the reason was, something about academics or something, but um, the, the, the Gophers said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will play that Rose Bowl. And of course, the Gophers had played the Rose as the national champions and the, and the Big Ten champions the year before. Um, they were undefeated and they played in the 61 Rose Bowl. And they played against the uh, sixth-ranked uh, Washington Huskies, uh, but they lost to the Huskies, uh, 17 to seven. So now this was going to be their next chance. Then, a uh, second time around for Sandy Stevens, and uh, they would play then the the UCLA Bruins uh, in the 1962 Rose Bowl. Okay, so tell us a little bit about more about Sandy Stevens because that's really what uh, drew you to this game and had you you know take us a little bit uh, deep dive into the the history of that that particular team and this particular player. So maybe tell us a little bit about Sandy. Okay, well he's from Uniontown, Pennsylvania, um, and he was one of the first uh, you know quote unquote national recruits for the University of Minnesota, uh, and he in he was recruited kind of along with a collection of players. I think, I mean, for sure, uh, Bill Munsey, who was one of the, who a running back. And, and I believe it was his best pal as well. Uh, he also came along, uh, with Sandy Stevens from Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And then there was, um, another running back, um, a, a big battering fullback named judge Dixon. And he came from Clareton, Clareton, Pennsylvania. Um, and then, in that mix, there is um, uh, Bobby Bell from uh, Shelby, North Carolina, and they they were all on that team, and and so was uh, Carl Eller as well, and so there were some pretty big names uh, on that team. Uh, uh, when you're talking about Bobby Bell and Carl Carl Eller, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he that's where he came from, and um, you know it was significant be, because. Uh, 
the the coach at the time, Murray Warmath, said, "Hey, we're going to go national, and let's let's get some some players from you know around the country." So um, he he then he was an All American, uh, Sandy Stevens, and he was the first African American major college All American quarterback. Now. <clears throat> that's kind of with an asterisk, I, I feel, because Kenny Washington was also an All-American um, at UCLA, um, I think back in 1939. But um, he was technically a tailback. So <laughs> so if you're dealing with technicalities, then, then I guess you'd say that Sandy Stevens was the first. So um, and so he, you know, he um, he and Munzee and Dixon. And then they, they had a good receiver named uh, Tom Hall. Uh, they had a, a pretty good offense uh, going. And um, let me tell you about that offense. It, it was kind of interesting. I actually watched film for a, a project that I was working on. And um, I was trying to figure out what is their formations that they're using. And so what they used was um, a split T formation, which um, uh, people might you know, be familiar with, uh, but they also used what was called a tight wing T offensive formation. So a tight wing T had seven men on the line and four backfielders. Um, and so there were two, uh, two halfbacks left and right and a fullback. And so I was trying to figure out what are they doing there? Um, and they would sometimes, uh, split out one of those halfbacks as a flanker and things like that. But it took me a while to figure that out because it wasn't a, I wasn't looking at a pro set. I was trying to figure out what are they doing? Um, but so, they so, play. So, so is like the backs you're saying they were, when you're saying a tight T, they were just in tighter quarters uh, at the lineup. So a lot tighter mm. splits is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you would, you would see them, uh, you know, lining up uh, in more of a traditional uh, uh, T formation. Um, but, um, but anyways, it was, I'd have to, I'd have to look at a visual again, but if you look up tight wing T, then you'll see what they were doing there. It was, it was uh, different from what UCLA was doing because UCLA was using a single wing and, um, and UCLA was not as successful against the Gophers on offense uh, in, in that particular Rose Bowl game. Hmm, Okay. Well, maybe tell us a little bit about the UCLA team. Okay. Well, UCLA, um, they had two quarterbacks. And if you look at their statistics, um, it looks like they, they both uh, played uh, in, all, in all of the games. So uh, they both played in 11 games. Um, and it looks like they were kind of, you know, well, they actually had exactly the same number of yards passing. They, they each had, um, it was only 327 yards passing each. Uh, you know, they're more of a running uh, style uh, 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 passing back, but they also, um, they're also, they're, uh, big time runners. So what they had was Bobby Smith and, uh, Mike Hafner. And, uh, it looks like Hafner had 703 yards rushing while Bobby Smith had 639 yards rushing. And so, uh, between the two of them, uh, they had, they, they were pretty good on their feet. Uh, that's compared to for the Gophers um, that season. Sandy Stevens had 533 yards rushing, um, but he had. But Sandy Stevens was much more of a passing 
uh, quarterback because he um, he passed for 869 yards in in that season. Yeah. Well, you know, the single wing back in that era, you know, that that's great when you have two guys that can throw the ball because they would normally, uh, you know, sh- sort of almost like a shotgun uh, snap back to one of the backs. and You didn't really know who was going to receive the snap and some of those true single wings back in that era. So I guess that would probably explain why they had equal passing and almost equal uh, running yardage because they probably spread the ball a little bit from the, the snap. So uh Right, right. So it's kind of it's kind of similar now when we have the RPO, right? You don't know who's who's keeping the ball. Well, back then you didn't know who was re- receiving the ball in the backfield. So. Right, right. I, I think our our modern look at single wing is you know what they call wildcat in the, mm-hmm. the, the NFL, and you know pretty much who's going to get the the ball because there's the back is directly behind the center who's not exactly. with the quarterback. So that, mm-hmm. not, that's the case in the single wing. I, I was officiating a game probably about 15 years ago at the high school level. And I really didn't understand what the single wing was. And the coach before the game, and it was a playoff game. So I had to go down state uh, down by Pittsburgh and, and do the game. The coach said, Oh yeah, we run the single wing. And I'm like, he goes, are you familiar with that? I said, not really. So he starts telling me what they're doing. And it was exactly that. And it was a, it was a black Friday that we did it. So it was a cold weather here in Pennsylvania with ice on the field. And these guys were snapping the ball all over the place. I'm, I'm in the backfield with the best view in the house and I couldn't tell who was getting the ball. So pretty, <laughs> pretty exciting offense to see a true single wing being run. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so that was, that was the situation. And um, in that game, uh, um, UCLA uh, only scored uh, on a field goal. Uh, they couldn't. They didn't have much success um, on offense, I suppose, against Bobby Bell and Carl Eller and others. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they only got that one field goal uh, in the first quarter. And so the rest of the game, it was all Gophers. Uh, uh, Sandy Stevens, uh, he got a, a rushing touchdown from the one yard line. Um, and and Bill Munsey, he got a rushing t- touchdown from the three yard line. And then Stevens in the fourth quarter got yet another rushing touchdown. So it was all rushing touchdowns. Um, but um, he, Stevens, he was seven for 11 in, in pass attempts, but it was only for 75 yards. So, um, you know, that he was actually pretty limited in his passing uh, compared to what he had done uh, during the regular season. So it sounds like they were grinding that game out a little bit and, uh, you know, putting the ball in the hands of the, the running backs and uh, just pounding the, pounding the rock a little. Yeah, I had read that it was actually decent weather, so it wasn't like they were playing in the mud or anything. So um, it must have just been a strategic choice there, I guess. So. Yeah, pr- probably, you know, you want to take a, few, a potent offense like UCLA's coming in touted as. You want to keep the ball out of, out of their hands, so running the ball eats some clock and, uh, you know, wears down a defense real good too, so... I guess it was mm-hmm. a pretty good strategy. So um, when we, you know, get to the end of the game, uh, Sandy Stevens was named Rose, Pl- Rose Bowl player of the game. Um, and, and of course, Minnesota won and it's their only Rose Bowl win. And it's their most recent, you know, appearance, uh, of course, in the Rose Bowl. Now the Rose Bowl is, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it was right with the, the Rose Bowl was, you know, um, for about 50 years there, it was pretty much Pac-10 versus Big Ten. And, of course, the earlier names of those conferences. Um, and so uh, 
the fact that Minnesota was only there uh, for those two years in a row, uh, that's pretty bleak for the, for the Gophers. Yeah. Well, you have a couple pretty dominant teams in that, uh, in that conference <laughs> over the years and uh, they, they hog all the glory, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, and I just wanted to mention too, I mean, one of the curious things now then is, you know, in 2024, um, UCLA and then also USC, they're both going to be full members of the Big Ten. Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. Well, yeah. And what to me, what's most interesting about it is the fact that, you know, we had that relationship for so many years with the Rose Bowl, uh, with, with Pac-10, Big Ten. And um, so, you know, USC has been in the Rose Bowl 33 times. UCLA has been in the Rose Bowl 12 times. You know, there's been a lot of big, uh, you know, Big Ten um slash USC or UCLA matchups over the years, it's going to be kind of fun having those, those two teams, uh, you know, playing against big 10 teams. Yeah. I, I wonder if they'll uh, keep it sort of the East and West and I'm sure USC and UCLA would be in the West and be playing maybe uh, Minnesota every year. So that could be interesting too. Yeah. I suppose Minnesota play, you know, one of them maybe uh, every year. I, I wonder how they're going to do that. Um, it, you know, as far as balance and everything, if they'll shuffle anybody around, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it, it, you know, it, it'll really add to, uh, you know, the flavor on, on, on football, football for the big 10. So, um, I also want to just touch on the, the professional careers now for these players. Sure. So yeah, please do. Yeah. So after, um, afterward, um, so Bobby Smith. Uh, he was he was uh, uh, he was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams, and um, he ended up playing um, sixty nine games in his career as a pro. Um, I'd have to look back on uh, it, whether he stuck with the Rams the whole time or not. I can't remember. But Mike, um, and then uh, the other quarterback for UCLA, Mike Hafner. Um, he was with the Broncos and he, um, I don't think he was drafted. He must've been, a, a walk on or, or something like that. Cause I, I don't see in his information that he was actually drafted. Um, but, uh, he, uh, well, so back to Bobby Smith, he, he was mostly a return man. So even though he, you know, he had, uh, uh, played in a, you know, he was more of a running back with the single wing and everything. Um, but he, he did mostly returns when he was a pro and then, uh, but Mike Hafner, he did, um, he, he, they moved him out to wide receiver. And so he was, um, he got seven, he had seven touchdowns and, and 991 yards in, in his career. So, you know, neither one of them, uh, went on, went on to become any kind of a, a quarterback type position. Um, and then. Uh, we were talking about Sandy Stevens. Now, Sandy Stevens uh, was a different situation. He was actually drafted by Cleveland in the second round. And and if you look at the uh, the AFL, he was drafted by the New York Titans, um, fifth overall. And so, you know, he was a fairly high draft pick uh, with the NFL, but he chose instead to go to the CFL. So he played, um, and he alternated years here. He played in 1962, played with Montreal. Then he was with Toronto in 63, and then went back to Montreal. 
in in or in the, in that same year, 63. But that was the extent of his career up in the CFL. So, um, you know, it could have been kind of interesting. He could have really changed football history. If he would have chose to go with the Titans who became the Jets and had any yeah. success, they, maybe they don't uh, get Joe Namath. Uh, if, you know, if they have a good quarterback on the roster already. So he could, he might well, change football history by that decision. Yeah. He was never uh you know, I, I guess I'd have to compare his numbers with Joe Namath, but he didn't have a real great completion percentage. There was he he was kind of a, a little bit wild with his with his arm. So, um, like if you look at his CFL stats, his um, his completion percentage was forty eight and a half percent, which you know in that era it wasn't terribly low compared to other quarterbacks. Um, <clears throat> but if you look at his completion percentage with the golfers in his it, he, or at least in 1961 it was you know 35% so you know we're we're talking pretty low percentages for completions for Sandy Stevens yeah the the, the passing game in uh, both college and uh, pro football was a little bit different than we look at it today it's uh you know it was basically a running uh offense i was with offenses were structured around passing was sort of a little bit more secondary where now we have more, probably more passing than running on average teams. So, you know, you got to look at the errors a little bit. So I, w- I wouldn't be too concerned with the passing percentage being a little bit lower. I think all of the quarterbacks were in that era. Well, and I guess part of the reasons I, I focused on that so much is because um, it, I had uh, based on the 1961 season, I had created some, um, cards for a, a game called Stratomatic Pro Football. Um, if you're familiar with that game, oh, and, I used to play that play Stratomatic all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> well, and I and I cr- created the cards for the old version of Stratomatic, not the new version, right? So these I'm talking about the big cards. So there was big cards back through, um, I think it was 1980 or, or 81, one of those two, and then. Um, and then we have the smaller cards nowadays, but I created these cards for the big, uh, big card version of the game. And so I was dealing with the quarterbacks uh, from that time and having lower completion percentages. And so I had to, um, uh, you know, reverse engineer how they <laughs> made these cards. And uh, when you look, when you look at his, his card in Stratomatic, you're like, Oh my gosh, does he ever complete a pass? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was a fun challenge to, to look at all the stats and, and figure out how to make these cards for, for Stratomatic. So, um, I actually have, um, a, uh, a website where people can download these Stratomatic cards if they want. Um, it's, uh, tnfclub.blogspot.com. And then when you get there, it says Thursday night, or excuse me, Tuesday night football club. So tnfclub.blogspot.com. And the 1961 Big Ten project is the first thing you'll see when you get there. And I made cards for the 1961 Gophers, the 61 Badgers, and the 61 Hawkeyes. And so I actually, I, I played a, I've played a few games with these cards. I also had a few other people play a game with the games with these cards and they're they're pretty darn accurate in terms of the kind of stats you get out of them so they they're um uh 
they can be a lot of fun if you if you like uh, old uh, college football. Very interesting. Now, how long does it take to to do something like that on a, to do a team to do like the <laughs> let's let's say to do the the Gophers in sixty one? Oh, well, once I well, okay, it actually took uh, quite a bit. So I sent you a, a PDF, and you have to understand, I had to I had to look at old newspapers at old uh, box scores and to get all of the all of the statistics right because i because when you create stratomatic cards you need to know what was basically what was not only how you know percentages you know percentage completion or or average yards per attempt but you got to know like you know what kind of distances did they get you know on a regular basis right because they weren't like little short little passes right they were usually passes back then when they threw a pass they were going to get you know a good chunk of yardage and so you had to see you had to check out all that and i actually corrected some of the information that they had out there on sports reference for the 61 gophers because they they didn't they uh didn't have or and even i think for the badgers uh, because they, they had some of the information wrong out there in sports reference. And I submitted those and they, they did make some corrections. Wow. That's, that's a quite a labor laborious, uh, effort there. And, uh, I'm sure it helps you to learn more about the teams, uh, that you're interested in by doing that. And then going and doing the Wisconsin and, and Iowa too. That's, uh, that's quite a chore you had there. So hats well, they off. had to have, a, you had to have opponents. You can't, <laughs> <laughs> wow, right? that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. I was going to say, you know, who did they, who did you have them play against? But uh, if you're having playing from the same era, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you have them playing like, uh, you know, uh, last year's Alabama team or something, probably not so much fun. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be fun at all. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Well, very interesting. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, appreciate you, you coming on here and talking about this great Rose Bowl game. Uh, definitely some some great uh, people that, that played in that. Uh, did you have anything more you wanted to add to that, to, to the Rose Bowl stuff? You know, um, I not, no, I, you know, I tried to obtain a copy at one point of the game so I could actually watch that game. And um, unfortunately, I've never actually been able to watch the game. So, uh, you know, I, I'd probably have more to say about it if I was able to actually, actually, you know, sit yes. down and, and watch the game. Yeah, some of those games from the, the early 60s, it's hard to get uh, even on YouTube or any of the other websites that have some of the college games. You don't get much footage from them. So and when you do, they're kind of grainy and very well, highlights. Yeah, know. they're yeah, like a highlight reel. So, mm-hmm. well, very good. Uh, again, uh, why don't you share one more time where, where folks can uh, find your book and uh, go and buy the book for Christmas or, you know, for a favorite football fan in their life. Okay. Well, I, I encourage you to uh, just visit borderboysbook.com because on there we've got uh, information um, about the book. Also, um, I, I have some, some uh, quotes on there from, uh, you know, former CFL players about the book um, and, and, um, you know, and then there's information about how to obtain the book from there as well. And it, it's, um, it's an interesting uh, part of history that you, that, um, I guarantee you're not going to get it anywhere else. So, <laughs> all right. I, I agree with that. So RC Christensen, we, we thank you very much for sharing your uh, football history and your research ability. And, uh, you know, with this 1962 Rose bowl game with 
Minnesota and UCLA and sharing some of a little bit about uh, your research further on this team with the Stratomatic card. So thank you very much, sir, for, for helping us celebrate the Rose Bowl's 100th anniversary. All right. Thank you. And, and uh, have a happy holidays. We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of sports yesteryear. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.